0: and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey,
1: thanks for being here. Big speeches yesterday, one by the President of the United States to the nation and one here in the state of Arizona by former President Obama trying to rally Democrat voters to vote for Katie Hobbs and for Mark Kelly. How much of an effect will either of these have? I talked about this earlier, and I think it's worth the same conversation again about where we're going. The mantra that MAGA Republicans are dangerous it bothers me. Um, we know what happened on January 6th. There's no doubt that what happened on January 6th is a blight on this country. It should not have happened. Those people should not have gone into that building. But I want to I talk about imbalance for a moment. When you would see um, a Black Lives Matter rally – And you would see people marching in the streets for what they believed was uh, abusive behavior by police officers in neighborhoods, uh, uh, in certain parts of town, especially with people of color. So Black Lives Matter, after George Floyd, they marched in the streets. And many times, many times, those marches turned violent. Um, And it was important for the media to make the designation, and they did. um, And I think they did the right thing by doing this, by calling them mostly peaceful protests because they wanted to make sure that the, the voices of the people that started the rallies and the people that were just there to have their voices heard were not lumped in with the violent people, which they said were the minority of people doing it, that it was the smaller number of people that were making the larger body look bad. And so what they did was call them mostly peaceful protests. That's where we got that phrase from. They're mostly peaceful protests. We had Democratic lawmakers making those statements. We even had the vice president of the United States when she was in the United States Senate. She even was raising bail money for people that had been arrested at these protests. Many times they were violent. They were they were destructive. They burned things. They broke things. They stole things. But it was the small minority of people. In the crowd that was acting badly and they wanted to make sure they made a clear designation that the vast majority of people in the Black Lives Matter movement are peaceful people that are just demanding reform and change in policing. Now, I will tell you, I disagree completely with their premise. I do. I am a supporter of the police and a loud and proud supporter of the police. So I didn't agree with their premise, but I agree with their right to assemble and protest. And I also agreed that you shouldn't take people that are behaving badly and lump them in with everybody and say everybody's bad. I was very consistent in saying that, too. So January 6th, if you go and look what happened on January 6th, it was a small minority of people that went into the Capitol. The vast majority of people at that protest stayed outside of the Capitol building. But it was not billed as a mostly peaceful protest. It was an insurrection, and it was a group of people that are a threat to democracy. They are trying to steal the vote. They were trying to overturn the election. And I will tell you in all honesty, after seeing that that pack of idiots that went into that uh, Capitol building and the ones that were doing the damage and stealing the podium. And putting their feet up on desks and and howling at the moon in a loincloth. I thought if those people could take our democracy, our democracy is pretty weak, but it's become a mantra, and the mantra has been that MAGA Republicans are dangerous and a threat to democracy. So I want you to I want you to listen. This is the President of the United States in his speech yesterday.
0: Lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. In this moment. We have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it.
1: You had President Obama saying more people are going to get hurt talking about. And listen, I, I'm i someone that calls out violence. I don't agree. If you want to go and watch ballot watch ballot boxes, fair enough. When you're doing it in tactical gear, you do look intimidating. I'm calling out my side of the aisle. I don't agree with ballot, with ballot watchers. I am not an election denier, but they are on my side of the aisle. Now, I don't know who these people are. I have no idea who they are because their faces are covered. But the election denial in the 2020 election was from the right side of the aisle. But election deniers have happened. Hillary Clinton denied 2000, said that George W. Bush was appointed, not elected. And I'll keep screaming this from the rooftops. She said Donald Trump was an illegitimate president. She also released a video about a week ago that says the 2024 election is in danger of being stolen by the Republicans because they are in cahoots with the right wing radical Supreme Court to steal elections. So if you're going to talk about election denial, we got to be fair. We're talking about imbalance here. This tired, dangerous thing, this is how you marginalize people. You marginalize people, then you call them dangerous. What they used to do is call them subversives. Remember, they went after the communists, I think it was in the 60s, they were talking about the communists and the subversives and the people that would undermine our government. And that's how they scared people about everybody they disagreed with. This has happened on both sides of the aisle, and right now it's the current president of the United States and two former presidents saying that Republicans are terrible. I want you – here's just a little bit of former President Clinton – and what he said about Republicans.
0: The, the Republicans are pretty simple, actually. They're and pretty straightforward. They say, I want you to be very miserable. And I want you to be very angry. And I, vote, I want you to vote for us, and we'll make it worse, but we'll blame them.
1: So the Republicans are dangerous. Now, he's cracking jokes, I and mean, he's a funny guy, and he knows how to work a crowd. But this mantra of danger is silly. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't give any of them. Do I think the Oath Keepers were, wanted to overturn things? Sure I do. Is there evidence out there that some of these things were happening in the name of patriotism? Absolutely. Do they have a chance in hell of pulling it off? Never. President Obama himself, before the 2016 election, when President Trump was questioning what those results might be, came out and told America an American election has never been stolen and it never will be. Now, I'm paraphrasing his words, but that's what he said. And then after Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton and the Russian collusion claims, which led to four years worth of congressional investigations, speaking of election denial, President Obama says he wished he'd have taken the Russian thing more seriously. So which was it? Was it what he said before that elections can't be stolen or was it when a Democrat lost? Now, all of a sudden, the Russians influenced the election. This has gone on on both sides of the aisle, but there's an imbalance in the messaging. You had the presidential candidate say that the president elect was illegitimate and you had the current president of the United States and Barack Obama saying that the Russians were in on it later on and he should have done more about it. But the election deniers are Donald Trump and Kerry Lake and Mark Fincham and anybody else who says they believe that the 2020 election was, was messed with. And I don't agree with them. I don't agree that the election was stolen. But their speech and what they're saying about it is no different than what was said on the other side. And now the mantra from the president of the United States yesterday is that MAGA Republicans are dangerous. And a threat to democracy. The p- former president, Obama, said that Republicans, that there is going to be more people hurt because of this rhetoric. And then this is my favorite. This is, this is now – all this, what I would say is fear-mongering. Here's Bill Clinton.
0: We could hold both these houses, but we have to say the right things. And we have to note the Republicans always close well. Why? Because they find some new way to scare the living daylights out of swing voters. <laughs> All this stuff
1: we've just been playing and letting you hear of how scary the Republicans are. And if they get into office, they're going to steal elections and we're gonna, our democracy is going to be gone. And there's a former president that says we could hold both houses. But remember, the Republicans find a way to scare the heck out of everybody. It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. All right. Is this the end of the Federal Reserve's rate hikes or are we going to see more? We'll let you know what their words are leading us to believe. All of it's coming up here in just a couple of moments.
0: Strong Opinions, the Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And hey, thanks
1: for being here. Let's shift to another conversation about the economy. Fed rate hikes could go even further than expected as Powell commits to stomp out inflation. Talking about um, the Fed, and I want you to hear from Jerome Powell what the big picture is. And here, this is what he had to say about the big picture. Despite the slowdown in growth, the labor market remains extremely tight, with the unemployment rate at a 50-year low, job vacancies still very high, and wage growth elevated. So that is the picture which is... Which should be concerning to a lot of people that um, they are saying that they're going to have to keep raising rates to slow down the economy. The concern is that it's going to slow it down too much. You know, the stock market's down again today. It's just above 32,000. At one point, it was up around, what was it, 37, I think. What is going to happen? And this is where we all have to be concerned. The American people are not confident that this administration is capable of fixing the economy, which is a big reason. We know we know that there is turnover uh, when you have the midterm elections. This is nothing new. It's not as if the red wave that's coming is something that's never happened before. It usually happens to what's happening right now. But to what degree, to what extent will this happen? And that's going to be the big question is how big will this be? What message? is being sent because if the Republicans hold on to the House or take control of the House and the Senate, you are going to see a big, uh, I don't know the, the Biden administration, how well they're going to work with a Republican led Congress. Will they work with them and compromise to get things done? Or will they stay steadfast in what they want and what their agenda is and the Republicans stay steadfast in not negotiate and just have nothing but a stalemate for the next two years? That's going to be a big question. But we are facing quite a bit in our economy right now. Uh, the price of diesel fuel is from a diesel shortage and it has a refining issue, it's a manufacturing issue, not having enough, and the experts in the area are warning that this could be disastrous. These could be huge prices and shortages. Um, Again, I I remember the 1970s from a child's perspective because I was born in 67, so the years that Jimmy Carter was president, I was a little boy, but I do remember the gas lines, and I do remember the high prices. I don't remember mortgage rates. I didn't even think about a mortgage rate, Um, but I remember my parents complaining about the high prices, Uh, and I think I've mentioned mentioned before, my uncles were teamsters. My uncles were working-class Democrats, and they were furious with the direction of the country, that the country votes with its with its wallet most of the time, with few exceptions. And there have been some candidates that people loved so much or hated so much that it wasn't about what their policies were. We all know that that's happened before. But for the most part, the American people are looking at what's going on right now, and they don't like the direction in key areas. The the economy is such a big deal because it's affecting every single family, to some degree. Now, to the working class Americans, this is is more than damaging. It's destructive. And the American people don't feel as if things are being done about it. Now, there's loyalists and I don't fault them because, you know, there's a lot of us out there that are loyalists to our party or to whoever it is, Um I like in a lot of things, I use a lot of sports analogies. Um, I am a fan of the Arizona teams. I'm, a, I'm an Arizona Cardinals season ticket holder. Um, there comes a time when you stop – you don't stop your support of the team, but you question the leadership. You know, and and so with what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals, there are a lot of people out there that are wondering if the leadership, the head coach of the team is the right person for the job. There are many people that are saying, you know what, there is so much talent on the offense of the Arizona Cardinals that they should not be this anemic and one in one dimensional. That, yes, there have been injuries, but you have done not you haven't done a lot to overcome those injuries. And those are the questions that people are wrestling with. And much like that's happening here in the economy, no one is saying that every single problem I shouldn't say no one because I'm sure there are some people that are, but the majority of people are not saying that everything that is wrong with this country is the fault of Joe Biden, that all of this inflation and all of these higher prices and fuel prices are 100 percent his fault. But what people are saying and questioning in leadership is what are you doing to mitigate the damage? And that's the question. Most Americans and the Democrats have got to acknowledge this, even if they don't agree with it. Most Americans believe that he is not doing anything to mitigate the damage from all of the things he blames these high prices on. Putin's price hike, even if you believe that that's 100 percent accurate, the American people don't believe that this president has done enough to mitigate the damage from this war. And as long as the American people feel this way, as long as the American people are looking at this, as long as Jerome Powell continues to say we're going to have to do more, you're not going to see anything moving in a positive direction. And that's where people are frustrated, and that's why they want changes. They feel as if no one is listening to them. We are telling you we're hurting. You're telling us we're not. We are saying the gas prices are so high it's forcing us to use our credit cards for necessities. You're saying everything is just fine and gas is lower now than it was six months ago or eight months ago or nine months ago that we were at an ultimate high, a record high. But now we're not, so things are better. So you're not listening to us. That's how the American people feel, and it's a justified feeling. It's justified. Coming up in a few moments, we're going to talk about the city of Phoenix and police oversight. I talked about this a little earlier, and I want to go into it a little bit more because as all major cities, we deal with crime, and at times we deal with bad behavior from people in the law enforcement community. But is it essential for us to have an office of accountability and transparency, and what exactly does it do? We'll talk about it next.
0: strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And hey, thanks for being here during King
1: LASIK's season of savings. Both uh, la- uh, savings, Lasik, both eyes is now just 3500 bucks. That's a $2000 savings. 0% financing for 24 months on approved credit means that Lasik with Dr. King is only $146 per month. Go to slash la- arizona for complete details. Uh, we talked earlier about the Office of Accountability in Phoenix. Um, there, are, there are a few things that I don't think are, are necessarily you can't do both. I, I, so I, I want to be very clear. Um, we have to allow people to do their jobs, but we also have to acknowledge when they don't do it well. Um, there are times when people behave badly and there are times when people break the law in every profession. Um, we – I don't care who you are. I don't care what organization you run. You are going to have employees that do the wrong thing. And then it's decided whether or not it's a criminal act or it is just bad behavior. Um, I, I've told the story before. I guess it's worth repeating because I'm going to go down the road of, of uh, oversight for law enforcement. Um, I've had a couple of interactions with bad cops or at least cops that had a bad day. One was definitely a bad cop. The other one I think just was having a bad day. Uh, they both happened where I grew up in Florida. One was a, a sheriff's deputy and the other was a state trooper, was a Florida Highway Patrol trooper. And in both cases, those officers, what trooper, whatever, those cops behaved Badly, and it was a bad experience. The one with the sheriff's deputy was one where he threatened to arrest me and said he was he could take me to jail for whatever he wanted to now i 've never been arrested in my life and my fifty five years, and I hope to keep that record going um, but this was such a negative um interaction that i never forgot it for me though my interactions with the police have been so good at a a young age i wanted to be a police officer because a sheriff's deputy same agency different cop helped me um i got beat up by a neighborhood bully pretty bad a kid was 16 years old i was 12 and he beat me up in my front yard just as he rode by on his bike he jumped off his bike and beat the hell out of me in my front yard and uh when the trooper, I'm sorry, when the deputy came to the house, um, of all the other things they had to do, he made sure he arrested this kid and uh, took care of it for me. And I thought I would love to be able to do that for people. So I had always had with uncles and cousins in law enforcement, I had always had a great amount of respect for law enforcement. So when I had a bad interaction, when I had a negative interaction, it was really terrible where this guy threatened me and um, ended up, this cop ended up, long story short, this cop ended up going to prison. Not because of the interaction with me, but that's just – he was a bad cop. Had no business in the profession. But it was his boss that came to the scene, that diffused the scene. It was other officers who made sure I understood that that was the exception and not the rule, that the vast majority of people in law enforcement do a very good job, and they have a disdain for bad officers. Now, there is a difference between a bad cop and a cop that does the wrong thing. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Um all of us, I think, have had you know. – I've had interactions in my workplace where I've had to go back and apologize to people because I behaved badly, um, and there's a difference between that and being a bad person that just does the, doesn't do the job well. And when it comes to law enforcement, I think it's immensely important that we make sure they do a good job because it's such an important, dangerous, and powerful job. The story is about the Office of Accountability and Transparency, OAT, as they call it. And the director tells the Arizona Republic that um, they be- he believes that this is essential. He-, he said it's more important to have monitoring if you don't have investigation because you need civilian independent eyes on this process. This is essential. There are oversight boards already that exist that have civilians on it. Um, that's true. And so I don't know about the necessity of this office. I think it was a political maneuver. Um, and I think that when the, um, And I'm not saying he's a political guy. I'm saying it was a political maneuver at a time when the Defund the Police movement was at its height. This was a way to make sure that they were listening to parts of the community that wanted to defund the police and embarrass the police, quite uh, quite honestly. That they think that the police are, uh, they call them, there are people within the movement that call cops murderers with badges. Go look it up. I mean, it's online, it's everywhere. That's what they call them. And every example of a bad cop that they see is an example. It shows that this is how cops really are, not the good things they do, not the accomplishments, not the busts that they make, not the people that they save, not the risks that they take. It's the ones that do the wrong thing that they label the entire agency as. So the premise is this cops investigate cops. So they do criminal investigations, and they do policy investigations. They do internal investigations, and they're not capable of doing that. That if you don't have civilian oversight, they are going to cover for each other and allow bad cops to continue being bad cops. And if you look at the track record, especially at Phoenix PD, that's not the case. So is there somewhere in the middle? I don't know enough about this office. It was originally set up to have authority to do investigations, And that's the way originally this office was set up. But a state law that was passed says if you are going to have an investigation into law enforcement, you've got to have a bunch of cops on there to explain the difference and explain what's happening and why it might be happening. You have to have police experience on that board in order to do it. Well, they don't want that. uh, Expressly in the rules of the Office of Accountability and Transparency, it says you cannot work for that office or have a family member that works in law enforcement. You can't work in that office and be a law, law enforcement officer, a previous law enforcement officer or a family member that's a law enforcement officer. They are keeping law enforcement completely out of it, which if you're going to do investigations is against state law. So now it is just a monitoring office where they are just going to monitor the police investigations and there are people that say it's necessary. What I think it does is I think on its face it breeds doubt in whether or not law enforcement is capable of being fair when investigating other law enforcement officers. And I don't know how necessary that is. Uh, I also think that it was a problem with recruiting for a while because it looked as if the city was caving in um, and they never defunded the police. And I want to make sure I say this clearly. I've been to two separate events with the mayor. And if you listen to the show, I don't agree with the mayor politically on a lot of things. But I've been to two events with her, and at both events, she stood very very um, vocally and said, we have never and we will never defund the police in the city of Phoenix. That's what the mayor needs to say. That message needs to be sent to law enforcement so officers understand they have the support of the city. And uh, if you're a bad cop, you need to go, and if you're a good cop, you need to be supported. And that's simple. It's just that simple. Um, what we're going to do in a moment— is talk about uh, immigration again. Uh, there are some stories about how uh, illegal immigrants are getting into this country, but we have to talk a little bit more about the, the, the problems that exist that are not being handled. And I know it's a frequent topic, but there is so much to discuss with the sheer numbers of people that are here and the problems that it's going to lead to in the near future. So we'll do that coming up here in just a moment. <music>
0: And strong opinions the mike broomhead show ktar news 92.3 fm and the ktar news app hey thanks
1: for being here a couple of headlines when it comes to the border one is this texas dps special agents uncover two stash houses holding 31 illegal immigrants uh, all of these are located in texas are from mexico or guatemala according to the dps in texas we know what that's like we don't know what the drop we uh, we we fully understand what the drop houses are like here in arizona um This is a great story that was written, and I believe it comes from Fox 10. And it is um, about what happens in Arizona. The United States Border Patrol has 20 sectors. Nine of them are in Arizona. Now, there are two separate Border Patrol sectors along the southern border, Tucson and Yuma in Arizona. So we have Tucson and Yuma sectors. Um, And here are some of the statistics that are just shocking to me. The number of migrants crossing the Yuma border has never been higher. On average, 800 to 850 people per day. In 2019 – It was 68,000 arrests. In 2020, it was 8,800 arrests, a dramatic drop from 68,000 to 8,800. In 2021, it was 114,000. And last fiscal year, they're not out yet. It's going to surpass 300,000 people in Yuma. The chief says that the immigration and border security are two separate issues and then talks about their challenge. They said in the past it had been Mexican nationals, nationals of Central America, but now we're seeing 115 different countries represented. And so as of October of 2022, he says about it was a 50-50 split between families and single adults crossing in the sector. So we are we have to realize that what's happening at our southern border is worse than it's ever been. I think we all are in agreement on that. And we continue to argue about what's happening and nothing gets done. And I said earlier that the president of the United States is wrong on this. And, you know, you can be and I'm not, but you can be a Democrat and speak up and say, I support this president, but he's wrong on this issue. Um, I supported Donald Trump, much to the dismay of a lot of people, but I voted for Donald Trump twice. I thought a lot of the policies and the economic policies, especially of that president, did very good for all of the American people. We watched the economy roar. But I also called him out for some of the vitriolic things he said, especially what he said about John McCain. Uh, I was I was close to John McCain and. Um, I didn't agree with John McCain on everything. As a matter of fact, we argued about a lot of stuff, which I found amazing that he would have conversations with me as if I was a colleague. But when you call when – when I called him out, when I called the president out for talking about um, – A dying and then a dead man, um, even after his death to say things about it, I thought it was the wrong thing to do. And there's nothing wrong with saying I'm supportive of this. I don't agree with that. I was on the campaign trail for George W. Bush in 2004. There were things I disagreed with the president about and said them vocally. You know now most people it doesn't matter but I happen you know again I have a radio show you can you can support someone and disagree with some of the things they do and this is what's frustrating about this is that if you look at what just the this story about Yuma and you look what's happening there to the people of Yuma we haven't even talked about how horrible it is for the people that are crossing how horrible it is for anybody else including the border patrol that's down there just the people of Yuma that are being overwhelmed 800 to 850 people per day on average it has got to be people in the president's party that stand up and say this is wrong and do something about it. Not lip service. Not, you know, not, None of this lip service about I disagree. No, you should be the ones that are doing something about it. That's when real change happens. That's when real change happens, when you stand up against the people that you normally agree with and you say this is wrong and it needs to be fixed. When leadership knows that, listen, I vote for you, I support you, I campaign for you, all of those things are true. But on this issue, it needs to change. We've got to fix this. This is too much of an important issue in this country. What we are creating with do you think – If you think we are having a difficult time with the dreamers right now, we are. This is the tip of the iceberg because the dreamer situation is going to get much, much worse because the next generation is here and the next generation continues to come. A 50-50 split between families – And single adults that are crossing our border, that tells you everything you need to know. Those children that are being brought here now are going to be in the exact same situation that the dreamers are in, which means your children, my children, grandchildren will be the ones that have to deal with this with taxation, have to deal with this with the same issues with the dreamers. All of this is going to continue to happen because we didn't do anything about it. And this is people on both sides of the political aisle. It is a human rights issue, and we should have a much better immigration system, but this cannot happen. And the need for a better immigration system is not an excuse for what's happening right now. It's frustrating. There have got to be more people that stand up and emphatically say the president and the vice president have gotten this one wrong, and it's got to be fixed. Just after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk about the economy, starting with the fuel crisis, the diesel fuel crisis in America. We'll talk about all of it next.